Welcome to Denim Wrapped Nightmares, Tipsy Exchange Podcast, where we explore the Supernatural series episode by episode. Over drinks, we'll discuss the lore, the gore, and what we adore about the Winchesters and their adventures. I'm Burley, and I'm a new fan of the series. I'm LA, and I'm here along for the ride. Now let's get tipsy. Hello, LA. Hey, Burley. We're doing another bonus episode. Third. Yes. Third indie movie. I've gotten some messages from listeners who have actually thanked us for encouraging them to watch stuff they haven't seen or in some cases even heard of before. Oh, nice. Yeah. And this is the last episode before our goal date of Labor Day for our fundraiser. Oh. We are still only about halfway to goal. We're... Roughly 50% to goal. And this is the last episode before our due date. Come on, guys. Uh We have almost 1,000 subscribers between Spotify and Apple Podcasts alone. Roughly 200 of you have listened to the first indie episode. Come on. Like 10 bucks. Give a little bit. Yeah. Please, please. We're so close. We're 50% there. We just need 250 more bucks to get to our goal by Labor Day. So if you can afford to give like $5, $10, please do so. You can find our link at dwnpod.com. And if you really can't afford to give, we get it. It's tough times. People are going on strike for a reason, right? Uh, share the link with people who you think will be able to give and interested in giving. Oh, and if you donate, you will be invited to a live recording of our Ask Me Anything episode. Just forward your donation receipt to denimwrappednightmares at gmail.com. That's my Hail Mary. I like it. We're going to make it. Let's do it. It's going to (laughs) happen. Okay, so back to today's episode. We are going to be discussing a little film called The Possession. Daddy JDM. That's right. 30 Miles from Nowhere was like more of a psychological thriller, mystery, something. Mm-hmm. And then Driven was just cute. It was like a dark comedy kind of thing. This was sincerely a scary movie. Yeah. Like this was scary. <laughs> Little kids are creepy. Ah! Well, I'll tell you what it's about. So it's inspired by a Los Angeles Time writer, Leslie Gornstein's article titled A Jinx in a Box. Mm. Uh, the film is from Ghost House Pictures and director Ole Borndahl. Ghost House Pictures is Sam Raimi's. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I had that he was a producer, but I didn't notice that. I didn't know that was his. Ah. How do I say that guy's name? I have no idea. Ole. Ole. What is it? Ole Borndahl. Borndahl? Borndahl. I don't know. That's what I'm going to say. Just call him Ole from now on. Okay. Anyway, it tells the tale of a broken family that comes under attack from a malevolent supernatural entity of Jewish folklore. Shortly after her parents, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Kira Sedgwick, divorce, a young girl purchases an ornate antique box at a yard sale. And in the weeks that follow, the young girl forms an intense fixation on the box, her behavior growing increasingly bizarre as she falls into the grip of a diabolical apparition. When the girl's father discovers that the relic is in fact a holding cell for the disconnected soul of a deceased person 
who has been denied entry into the afterlife and needs a human host to inhabit, he fights to rid her of the evil that threatens to consume her body and soul. Uh, it was released on August 31st, 2012. Its budget was $14 million, and it at the box office, it raked in $82.9 million. Oh, wow. So that was back when people went to the movies all the time. <laughs> so it got a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 69% of Google users liked it. It was shot in 2011, and parts of the film were actually formed at a formal mental institution in Riverview. It was Riverview Hospital in, I'm just going to say British Columbia, because I don't even want to try and pronounce that city's name. <laughs> the little girl that plays Emily, who is the little girl that gets uh, possessed, it's, they call her M in the movie. That little girl, though, I mean, holy shit. The actress who plays... Mm-hmm. Natasha, Natasha Callis, wow. Like, she made the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. As far as things I adore, I adored that little girl. Like, mm-hmm. her performance was just stellar. I mean, I guess that would be mine, too. Yeah, she did a really good job being real creepy. She did actually do a lot of her own stunts. Uh, when she was asked uh, what were some of the craziest ones she had to do, she mentioned uh, that she had a blast doing all of them, but the scariest things or the scariest one scene she had to do was where they dumped buckets of moths on her and they were real moths. She said it wasn't very pleasant and she was in the room all by herself and it was really dark and then she just had all these moths crawling all over her. Which, I, I guess that's the bedroom scene probably. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't think the maybe I've. I'm thinking of something else, but I don't think they look like moths. They look more like dragonflies to me. I mean, they were big-ass moths. Yeah. They, but they were moths, yeah. Okay. Like the really big ones, like in the bedroom, and then when she, like, runs and goes and finds the box, and then mm. they all fly into her mouth. I watched most of it on my phone, so it was probably really dark, and I couldn't see very I well. had to watch it. Like, I will say, I, I, overall, I thought this was a good movie. But I will admit, and it could just be my ADHD was in overdrive this weekend. I was running around the house doing stuff like crazy. So that's probably the case. But I had to watch this movie like three times because I kept losing interest. Mm -hmm. It's not because it was bad. It's just, I don't know if it was a pacing issue or again, it could totally just be my ADHD. But it would lose me every few minutes. And I'd start doing something else. And then whenever I'd come back to the screen, I wouldn't know what was happening. Oh, yeah. And so I'd try to figure out what was going on. And eventually I'd get like caught up to what was happening. But then I started the movie over because what did I miss? I want to see it. And then the same thing would happen where I would get distracted and stop paying attention. Oh, geez. But overall, there were some really amazing moments. The little girl, just her performance was so eerie. Ooh. Whenever she's like, Daddy, and Jeffrey Dean goes, snaps, points mm-hmm. at her. I was like, oh, ooh. <laughs> that was a good scene. <laughs> she was actually one of the reasons that Jeffrey Dean Morgan decided to do the movie. He saw her audition tape, and it blew him away. He said he couldn't believe the stuff she was doing and the stuff that the director was getting out of her. And he felt that all the stuff she was doing would keep the viewer on the edge of their seat the entire time, which I guess it did not you. Yeah, it did. I mean, she was amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's just, 
every every once in a while, whenever it would try to get into more of the drama stuff that was going on rather than so much the actual possession, they'd lose me. Mm. I guess I could see that. I read somewhere that they were trying to make this an allegory about divorce and how it can affect families and all this other kind of stuff. And I can respect that from an artistic standpoint, but just to me, we didn't know enough about the family as a unit from the beginning to care enough about what was happening with the drama and stuff. Does that make sense? No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I cared about what's happening with this little girl, what's happening with this box. And so every time it ventured into the the family drama, I didn't, I think that's when it was losing me. I don't really know. I didn't like jot down. (laughs) Well, this is what happened the last time I was paying. I didn't do that. But I think that that might be what was losing me because the little girl's performance was, I mean, he's right. Yeah. I felt sorry for him. And her physicality of everything. You felt sorry for the dad? Yeah, but that's probably because I'm a child of divorce and I was a daddy's girl. So probably has something See, to yeah, do with it. Yeah, that probably does have something to do with it. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I am a daddy's girl, but I didn't have to go through that. Yeah, I felt bad for her, but especially whenever uh, she started like acting like he was slapping her and he didn't oh even touch gosh. her yes. and this older sister runs out and sees it or when or she's she, like accused him of doing and it. she stabbed him in the hand with the fork yeah. and then the fight that happened in the classroom i mean yeah I, I i can get that because you know i i don't have kids but i've i've had friends who have had kids where they're going through a rough patch or something's going on where they don't know what to do to help their kid so that I could relate to, mm-hmm. not relate to, empathize with and understand how hard that would be. Yeah. I think Eric Kripke would really like this movie because of the creepy kid thing. Oh, yeah. We found out he really likes the creepy kid stuff. This this was definitely creepy kid stuff. I was thinking about whenever the mom comes into the kitchen and the little girl's in front of the fridge. I was just like, I would immediately been like hell no and just left like there's I would not have dealt with that (laughs) I am not a mother clearly but I just was like hell no I would have I would have immediately just turned around and walked away like I would not have been dealing with that and she's lucky that the little girl somehow got control back over her body in time because whenever she leaped on her she had that giant shard of glass in her hand yeah I mean just oh yeah, I think I need them to get to like 10 and then maybe they won't be as creepy. <laughs> that little, little girl was older than key, 10. Creepy. No, she wasn't. She the wasn't? Youngest one? Yeah, I thought she was like 10. Well, I don't know. I'm bad with ages, so maybe you're right. But yeah, the creepy factor. Like I said, I've heard multiple parents talk about waking up in the middle of the night and their kid just standing in their bedroom watching them sleep. And I'm just like, no. Mm-mm. No. Ugh. What do you think was the creepiest thing the little girl did in the movie oh there was like one moment i can't remember what she said i you probably won't remember either it was just like really subtle she was talking in her normal voice but then she like turned her face or something and it was like in the creepy voice like a creepy voice yeah when they were at the diner when she was like is that what it was oh, yeah. like, can i have some more or is she still hungry or something mm-hmm. like that that yeah. was that freaked me out i was like oh and why the fuck was she so hungry? It was when the dad was telling her about the teacher and she's like, yeah, I know she's dead. How's my box? Right. Don't you touch my box. Jeffrey Dean Morgan can touch my box anytime. Oh. 
He's going to come over here and be like, hey, do that snap. Oh, whoa. You'll like it. <laughs> what did you think was the creepiest? That one was creepy for sure. I forgot about the diner scene, but yeah. once once you brought it up, I remember that. To me, the creepiest of the creepy was toward the end when he finds her and she's sitting up against that wall holding that her would, knees. Yeah, I was thinking of that one too. Oh. oh, wait, no, I'm thinking when she's in the, I think it's like turns red and she's like up against the wall standing. It's That's all in the same scene. Oh, okay. But like, yeah, it's like, help me, daddy. Yeah. And it's like repeating over and over and over again as Jeffrey Dean Morgan's like walking into the room. I was just like, oh. Yeah. That's another one where I've just been like, nope. Mm-hmm. Sorry, kid. I got I to gotta go. <laughs> Where's that rabbi? <laughs> Your mom can deal with this. Yeah. But you know he's 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 a good dad. He tells the demon it can have him instead, and mm-hmm. all that other. But yeah, to me that was the creepiest of the creepy. Yeah, it was also kind of creepy whenever he first was suspecting she was possessed by a demon and went into her bedroom and was like reading from the Bible. The way she just rolled mm-hmm. over and stared at him. Mm-hmm. That was pretty creepy too. But the creepiest of the creepy to me was the end whenever he walked into that room where were they like a gym? I want to say it was a morgue but I don't think that's right gym or something I don't know that was one of the moments where I checked out all three times that I watched the movie I checked out I did I wasn't sure where they were I think they were in, they were in a hospital of some sort oh maybe that's what it was it was good it was worth the time to watch but like I'm not going to be buying it like I did driven yeah I can see that but definitely adore hands down. I thought it was going to be Jeffrey Dean Morgan, but I'm sorry. That little girl, she stole the show. Oh, for sure. She was amazing. So my adore thing is Natasha Callis, I think is how you say her name. Mm-hmm. That's my adore. As far as gore, the moths were pretty gross. Like when she's looking in her mouth. Oh, yeah. And then we see the moth coming out of her mouth. Yeah, I didn't watch that. And then the girl... Who leaves her toothbrush out on the sink without being covered? Gross. Mm -hmm. Gross. Don't do that. Poo-poo molecules and all kinds of stuff in the air in your bathroom. Your toothbrush should be in a drawer or covered in the hand stab. That wasn't really gory, but it definitely made me clinch. It was very unexpected. Yeah. I did not see that coming. I clinched everything whenever that happened. Like, ooh. But... Not very gory, just really scary, Sam Raimi-inspired-ish kind of film. So, yeah, good, worth the view, but I probably won't watch it a fourth time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't believe you watched it three times. I had to. I I would check out, and I wouldn't know what was happening, and I'd get caught up enough to be able to follow what was happening in the movie, but I would know, okay, I know I've missed a good 15 minutes. I don't know what happened. Let me watch it again. I mean, I hope I got the whole thing by the end of the third one, but I don't know. There's still a chance that I I missed some scenes. Nah, I'm sure you got it. I did it. Did what? I finished the movie. Oh, well, yeah, that's, you know, that's all that matters. However many times it took you. (laughs) I'm perseverant. Yeah. Is that a word? Persevering? Perseverant? Perseverant? I don't know about that. Persevered? Persevering. I get shit done. Yeah. That's good. Anyway. So that's adore and gore. What about lore? How do you say it? Let me look it up. Dubuque? 
said it multiple times in I know. the movie. And but... I kept trying to listen every time they said it to know how to say it, and I kept forgetting. I figured you just knew about it. No. I, I'd never heard of this until this movie. Oh. Oh, I thought you would have. Dibbick. <laughs> okay. You got it? Yeah. It's Big Dick. <laughs> big Dick backwards. So. Dibbick. Big Dick. Dibbick. Yeah. Okay. That helped me remember it. Okay, well, the box that she was... <laughs> what? Big dick box. I'm just... Oh. Band- <laughs> Sorry. Did not register. <laughs> well, the box that the girl was obsessed with that ha- had this spirit or demon living in it was called a... What is it? Dibbick. Dibbick box. Big dick, Dibbick. Dibbick box. So the history behind it, it's a Jewish folklore, and it is a disembodied human spirit. And because of former sins, it wanders restlessly until it finds a haven in the body of a living person. And belief in such spirits was prevalent in the 16th and 17th centuries in Eastern Europe. The word Dibbick. Dibbick. I don't know why it's so hard. (laughs) Dibbick. Say it. Say big dick dibbick. I don't want to say that. Say it. No. Say it. It's just words. The word dibbick is an adaptation of the Hebrew root davik, which means to cling or to cleave. Mm. The dibbick is considered to be a sticky evil spirit, a deceased disembodied malcontent who clings to a living person in order to find respite from its troubles. The phenomenon of being overcome by an otherworldly spirit has a long history in Judaism and in the book of Samuel, David rids King Saul of a spirit of melancholy from God by playing his harp. Oh. And the idea of a dibbic gained traction in the 16th century when Kabbalah, flourishing in the northern Galilee city of Safat, that's probably wrong, promulgated, pr- promulgated? What is that? Sounds fancy. Mm-hmm. Hang on, let me Google it. Promulgate. Promote. Promulgate, promote, or make widely known. Okay, so flourishing in the northern Galilee city of Tzafat. Tzafat? What did you call me? Shut up. (laughs) Promulgated ideas about the afterlife. And often individuals suffering from nervous or mental disorders were taken to a miracle-working rabbi who alone, it was believed, could expel the harmful dibbic through a religious rite of exorcism. Isaac Luria, a mystic, laid the grounds for Jewish belief in a dibbic. <laughs> don't know why I <laughs> dibbic with his doctrine of the transmigration of souls, which he saw as a means whereby souls could continue their task of self-perfection. His disciples went on went one step further with the notion of possession of a dibbic. Dibbics are basically malevolent spirits looking for a warm body to call home. And, you know, you, apparently you can buy them on eBay these days. Oh. Um, now, when promoting the film, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was on The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. He reported strange incidents that took place during production that couldn't be explained. Lights exploded during the filming of key scenes. And just two days after filming wrapped principal photography, all of the props for the film were stored in in case of they had to have any reshoots, but they were destroyed in a fire that mysteriously erupted from within the storage house. Oh, fuck. Yeah. 
I guess one of the real Dybbuk boxes is in Las Vegas. It's said to be the most haunted object on Earth. It is inside an airtight... Airtight? Mm-hmm. It is inside of an airtight glass box surrounded by sage. The sage inside of the box has actually grown mold on it, which is impossible because of the lack of new air it is receiving. I think there might be a crack in that. Airtight my ass. Right. So there's more about the box. Dybbuk. So as the story goes, a Dybbuk box appeared in 2003 when antique store owner Kevin Manis bought a vintage wine box from a 103-year-old Holocaust survivor on eBay. After a strange string of unexplained hauntings, recurring nightmares, bruises, and smells of ammonia, the box found its way back onto eBay. It listed itself. (gasps) And it landed in the hands of a man named Jason Haxton. And Jason was involved with the possession and was offering to send them actual pictures of the Dybbuk and do all. And they were like, no, no, no. (laughs) We don't need to see the real thing. We just wanted some more information. You keep that to yourself. (laughs) But he, too, felt the wrath of the box (laughs) and ended up burying it. Somebody going to bury something in my box. Oh, my goodness. He ended up burying it somewhere in Missouri but not before pulling out. Okay. I'm sorry, pulling it out of the ground to appear on the television show Ghost Adventures. Haxton stated that the day it arrived, I put my hands on it. Ooh, and it almost feels like the thing collapses into a liquid state. I felt like a knife was coming. That says guy, not gut. I noticed that when I first read it. I was like, that's definitely supposed to be gut. <laughs> No, it felt like it was coming into my guy. (laughs) I was paralyzed in pain. When I go to bed, I have terrible dreams of a hag that seems to come with the box. It's just his wife. (laughs) Hey, at least someone's coming, right? True. Haxton said he first heard about the box from a colleague whose roommate had listed it for sale after a string of terrifying events. The box is said to have come from an Oregon estate sale of a Holocaust survivor. I think I already said all that. The person who bought the box at the estate sale was told that the box was always shut and set in a place that was out of reach. It was never, ever to be opened. Haxton paid $280 for the box, and when opened, it contained a goblet, two locks of hair tied with string, pennies from the 1920s, a dried rosebud, a cast iron candlestick holder, and a granite statue engraved with Hebrew letters. Haxton said that he didn't believe the stories associated with the box and didn't have any worries about opening it. However, he then became sick and experienced what he called a tidal wave of bad luck. The issues vanished after Haxton followed a rabbi's advice to place the cabinet in a gold-lined wooden container to negate whatever entity was inside. He now keeps the cabinet inside a military-grade case, which he buried. There you go. Yeah. Now the real question. Which Supernatural cast member would you let find Haven in your box? Like, are we talking like they're going to haunt me? 
If that's what you want to call it. do bad things and consume me? Mm. I mean, (laughs) I immediately went to Jensen, but then I was like, oh, maybe. What did you think of the stash? I mean, I usually don't like stashes, and I'm not, like, Mm. a fan of it on him, but, I mean, it doesn't look bad. I liked it. I watched Tombstone after I saw it. I want somebody to put a hat on him. Oh, I was like, he was in Tombstone. <laughs> no, but it made me think of Tombstone. I get that. And so I watched the movie. It's a good one. It is. Jensen needs to do a video where he's like, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> he needs to wax the tips. Yeah. Do the little villainous thing with his fingers, you know, <laughs> on the stash. I like a good stash. Meh. I like a good cleaned beard or scruff. I like facial hair. I mean, I like a variety. Yeah. yeah. A stash, I feel like I can either, like, you look good or you look kind of creepy. Like the people who can grow a mustache that just looks like it's dirt on your lip? Eh, shave it. That's what I meant. Yeah. We, can, we can get rid of that. But the big, like, Richard Spate stashes, like the big ones, mm. I like it. And I liked Jensen's. I thought it looked good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that was all he had. He had other facial hair going on. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Richard Spate, <laughs> I have a story to tell you. So okay. you know how I'm redoing my gallery wall downstairs? Yes. I purchased a print off of Redbubble from an artist named Scout. And I showed it to you. Mm-hmm. It's where it's Richard Spate Jr., but in the Marvel Loki crown and outfit kind of thing. Love that print, but the dimensions of it are weird. Mm-hmm. So it is a little thin. Yeah. So it wasn't fitting in anything correctly for my gallery wall. So I went to get custom matting done for it so it'll fit in the frame. And the gentleman who helped me, he cracked me up and he made my week. We had so much fun together. Aww. So I showed him the picture, I showed him the frame, I showed him what matting I wanted. We picked it out and everything. And then he just sat there staring at the picture for a really long time. Like to a point where I was starting to be like, okay, this is getting awkward. I don't know what to do. And then he finally looked up at me and went, who is this? And he was elderly, sweet as could be. And I was just like, what? And he was like, who is this? And I was like, well, it's, I mean, it's Loki. He's like, no, I recognize the outfit, but who is this? And like pointed at the face. And I said, oh, And so I explained the trickster on Supernatural and, you know, that that it's like a mesh of the two different things together. He was like, this one's more handsome. And I said, I know. I know. And he went, he he looks like a scoundrel. Oh. I've dated a few of those in my time, but I wouldn't mind dating another. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Isaac. Let me tell you. (laughs) And so I pulled up my phone. (laughs) And I was like, his name is Richard Spate Jr. And here's some pictures. And then I told him about Driven because Mm -hmm. we had watched that. And I told him it was for free and he should go check it out. And he's just like, oh, how have I not seen this man before? It was fun. That's adorable. We had a fun little gush session. There was nobody in line. So it's not like we were holding anybody up or anything like that. Just before anybody comes for me. Was perfectly fine. I forgot to get a quote from the movie. Hang on, let me find one and I'll paste it in 
the things so you can do to close it out. Did you read that when she's in the parking lot and the box is talking to her? It's saying in Polish, can I take you? Can I take you? No. Yeah. Ooh. The demon in the box is Polish. Abizu? Uh, that was the actor who played the young rabbi who actually helped him. Marysia. Yeah. It was his film debut. What happened to him? I don't know. Where's he back? Yeah. Oh, and then at the end, when after the car crash, did you read about it, the box is singing a, a song It's like, in Polish, but it's like actually a Polish lullaby, and it's like, they said it's like equivalent for, to it singing Ring Around the Rosie. Oh, no. But it's like so many mushrooms sitting in the grass, and then it goes on to, t- to like say more about it, or like tell, you could sing the whole thing. It, it's in the IMDb thing, but I'm not going to sing that for you. Because you don't love me? No, I'm just not a very good singer. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, did you need to look that one up? I did. <laughs> okay, well, to close it out, we'll quote him and her infamous, where's my box? Where's my box? Where's my box? Somebody fetch my box! Cheers. Thank you for listening to Denim Wrapped Nightmares. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram, leave a review, and let us know how we can get involved in the fandom. This was fun. Jerk. It always is, bitch.